Ricky? Hey guys, I thought, nope. <laughs> Would you say, hey guys, a bunch? <laughs> hey guys, I bet you thought we were canceled, but welcome back. We're not Shane Dawson. Oh, oh. oh my God. Oh. That, I heard about that. That's terrible. Yeah, well. We're back. You, well, and no, and I also heard about what? You guys started the shoes talking about Shane Dawson. I'm sorry. The fucking intro. <laughs> well, you should have made that a little clearer because oh, reunions never feel so sweet as they do with this group of people. I'll tell you what. We've taken some time off. Shannon's a bit. Um, all of us have. It's let's just say it's been scheduling conflicts. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. One after and yeah. illness after and hair jobs and oh my god, it's been nuts. We're ra- we're back. Back. And, uh, and we're back. Yes, who's back in the mud up by a hay? In the hay. Chicken so anyway, so what I was saying was, is along oh, with that Shane dude, you saw, um, what's her face? One of your- Jenna Marbles. Jenna Marbles. Yeah, we had yeah. this conversation, Rick, when you were She's... too busy getting your drink. Scratching <sighs> your back. I love Fuck her, by the way. Anyway. Her and yeah, she Julie. Was a, she was an OG. She was an originator. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, toast to Jenna Marbles. We love you, Jenna. Come back to me, Jenna. Jane Dawson can kick rocks. Cheers. Charles. Okay. Guys, what topic did we pick tonight? Maritime crime. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. That didn't happen. That was definitely a thought that was not thought out at first. That was was really hard. Just hopped up in there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Basically, my initial like, reaction was like, nope. It's, like, <laughs> it's 98%, 98% pirates. Phillips. Yeah, it's 98% pirates and like, you know, 2% ghosts. So Boring shit. Yeah, I know. It sounded dreadful. Thank God we... No, uh, we're on um, Jen's role of serial killers. Yes. She can't stop. She and I won't stop, stop. stop. That's right. That is right. This week, I'm up first, aren't I? might be a little rusty just letting y'all know i wrote this a week ago and i have not revisited it since because like we said we were supposed to have recorded this a couple weeks ago (laughs) hey did you write it in a spiral or like you know loose paper again it's loose paper don't worry about me ricky i had one flub okay one flub and about three bottles of wine and you've had like four flubs yeah flubs and then you slept through one Mm-hmm. Well, you know. No, we don't. He's the hostess with the mostest. <laughs> Where's God, if we ever get famous, sure. if we ever get fucking famous, and this guy gets all the recognition, <laughs> uh-uh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna freaking tattoo a camel toe on my chin. <laughs> I am gonna hold you to that. I'm gonna hold you to that. Watch right now, our now. ratings will plummet. We'll get matching Levertone tattoos. Matt, no matching camel toe titties on our on, chins. On my chin. No, I would. Uh, no, I wouldn't put it I on would my chin. I would get a tattoo of a beard on your face. Yes. Whew. Nice. That is rough. Okay, then I'll get. Um, 
Ooh. You can't get oh, anything man. if you're famous. Then they'll be like, ooh, no, never mind. Oh, yeah, that's right. You guys are getting it. <laughs> get a bong tattooed on your cheek. It's like right here. Like yeah. a dick, but a bong. But, but a bong. bong. <laughs> but a bong. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say to that. Oh, shit. Okay. All right, Jen, okay. take it away. All right, guys, this week I am covering Rodney Alcala, a.k.a. the Dating Game Killer. Oh, boy. What? Have you dating guys heard game. of him? Nope. I mean, I've heard of the Dating Game, and then I've heard of Killers. Really? Well, <laughs> well take a seat, guys, because this one, I don't know how good this is going to be. It's not very promising. Like I said, I haven't looked at this shit in about a week, so shall we? We shall. shall. Hey, does that phrase insinuate that you like we're supposed to be standing first? Take a seat. You know, like where did that come from? Was everybody like standing sit down more? You can't sit down any further. Yeah, yeah. Like good. take a seat. So lie down. You say. You no, know you go into the principal's office and you're like scared, and the principal's like, "Take a seat." Like then you're like, "Okay, that means listen up, bitch." No, you should tell Ricky, "Take a hit and listen." No, take, <laughs> no, he won't listen. <laughs> Take a sip. All right, guys. Take several sips. Rodney Alcala is kind of a dick. Pretty much don't like this guy. Um, and he's not even like one of those serial killers that killers that I find like kind of fascinating. Like some Kemper or some Gacy was even kind of fascinating. Like this guy just sucks. He really fucking sucks. Mm. Uh, um, where where's that name from? Alcala. Like, Alcala. Where's that? Where are he from? Yeah. Where is he from? possibly his his background his background. family ties well, family I'll, tree well since you're over there if you can take Does a break from the back scratcher why don't you link back to christ <laughs> hang on let me let me get back to my google hold on please linked back to christ don't we all yeah it's that christ language what's that christ language i can't remember i know aramaic aramaic that's right okay spell it out a l C A L A. Wait. Alcala. A A L E A L. No. Wow. A L A C. Stop. A L C A L A. Alcala. Rodney Alcala. Okay, here we go. Continue. I'll get back to you. The most butchered spelling job between the both of you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take you back to September 18th, 1978. The dating game was this hip happening show on TV, and at this night, three eligible bachelors Dude, were going out. The, okay, I remember this. I'm sorry. I remember. Yeah, bro, like, yeah. He was I born remember. in San Antonio. On there. He was born in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, I know. I, you were wondering where the name originated from. Like, is it? It's I'm pretty sure he's just. Obviously, he's. Let's just. Ricky. It doesn't say on here. Good. I know because I didn't find anything about it. Interesting question. Moving on. So, three eligible bachelors are going after a beautiful lady's heart. Millions of people were watching. And what happened was is that these three men were divided by a wall. They sat on tall chairs and they were all kind of how they introduced the show is they would all be sitting in darkness. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like the first dark head and they would describe, you know, who they were individually. I like skiing and shit. Yeah. Like I'm into photography and I have photography. I drink water. Photography. 
fitography. What's you know, fitography? is that like? Yeah. What is, is that? Is that a study of fitness? Fitness. Like... Fitness. Ugh. Fitness. Gross. So, anyways, bachelor number one described himself as a photographer, and he had this open button shirt and had this long bouncy hair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lady, the bachelorette, was sitting on the other side of a divided wall, and her name was Cheryl Bradshaw. She was wearing this really sparkly dress, dressed to the nines. And what she could do at that point is she could ask these gentlemen whatever she wanted, except for their name, age, occupation, certain things like that. Okay. She couldn't. Nationality, race. Yeah. Things kind of like that. Um, So bachelor number one was charming and he was a crowd favorite. However, backstage, it was reported a little bit different. Um, he was seen as cold. Uh, he was able to basically turn on the charm whenever he wanted something. That's kind mm-hmm. of what all the contestants and everybody else saw. Um, prior even going on stage, he got into a fight with like one of his rivals, the other bachelors, like just oh, got into fuck. a beef with them. Yeah, just a kind of a fucking weirdo. So on stage, he was great. He was flirtatious with the audience and she ended up picking him. And, and you can actually watch like scenes from the show online and he says stupid shit like i like bananas or if uh-huh. i had to describe myself as a fruit i'd be a banana and she's like well i like bananas it's just that quirky yeah. cheesy dumb shit <clears throat> it's like ew. something along the lines like that yeah it's just really- if you had to describe how your sex is what would it be a thunderstorm <laughs> right something right like there you go yeah that's a little x-rated for <laughs> that time, but okay it's soothing yet scary <laughs> If I had to describe the skin between my no, I'm just kidding. no, it's like it's cool to watch, but you don't want to be actually be in it. No. <laughs> so she ended up she ended up picking him, and what they won was tennis lessons and a trip to Magic Mountain. Did I fuck that word up? No, tennis, tennis lessons. Right. So when I heard that, I was like, "Who the fuck wants to work out on a first date?" And then go to Magic Mountain. It's and supposed to, to be fun. Yeah, they're right in the vapor in reverse. <laughs> Why? Why? Where does he go? Like, he just, there's things. Oh, there. my God. Cool. <clears throat> anyway, cool. homeboy wins. Crowd loves him. Bachelorette's thinking he's the coolest thing. But little did anybody know. He, he was Mexican. Was actually, Mexican. He actually, at that, that time, was a convicted sociopath and child molester. Oh, no. Want to know why they didn't know? Because back then they didn't do background background checks. checks. Yep. So we're gonna rewind. That was in 1978, guys. We're gonna go back 10 years to Tally Shapiro. This is the first victim for Roddy Alcala. Um, she was an eight-year-old, and she basically was told some dude drives up like, "Hey, you know, get in my car." She's like, "No, I'm not gonna get in my car." She ends up getting in the tan vehicle. Somebody <laughs> witnessed this, and so what? What am I missing? <laughs> Nothing that no, that was that just like the way you did it. She You're was like eight. Nope. She just, and you really she ended like, up getting the, in the tan that, vehicle. Like, <laughs> just whatever. Just I, it's not it just like getting in the no, vehicle. No. She ended up getting in the tan vehicle. Yeah. She's like, no, I'm not <laughs> gonna notes. get in your vehicle. And then she got in the tan vehicle. <laughs> in my notes, guys. All right. <laughs> God damn it. I'm so sorry. Okay. It's in the notes. It's just concrete. Let's the do notes. this. It's coming out if it's in the notes. Can't help it. So some bystander saw this and was like, dude, this is wrong. He ended up calling the police. And uh, the police followed him and knocked on his door 
uh, ended up finding the tan vehicle mm-hmm. and ended up knocking on his door. And that's when Alcala opened the door and was like, what guys, like I'm in the shower. And they're like, okay, too bad. Like get dressed. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna shut the door. He's like, but you got 10 fucking seconds, which like, let's be real. Like who can get dressed in 10 seconds? I don't, I don't really know. That's, that's kind of odd, but I would just want you to put underwear on. Right. Right. So after 10 sure. seconds, the cop kicked in the door and immediately he saw a body on the floor with lights, uh, lots of blood. And he saw little white Mary, Ta- Mary Jane shoes. Um, there was also next to the body, a bar that was used to strangle the child with. Mm. Awesome. So the cop, you know, thinking, holy shit, all this blood, homegirl's dead. And so he went to go search for Alcala throughout the house. Um, couldn't find him. He had taken off. So he came back into the kitchen and that's where she was at. And this is when the little girl started coughing. Damn. So he thought she was dead. She wasn't dead. Nice. What happened was, is that he ended up having some people come out and they searched the house and they ended up finding photos of young girls all throughout his house. Um, and then they also found Akala's ID. So that's how they're like, okay, this is, this is who we're working with. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was his first victim, um, but I do want to jump back and talk a little bit about his background. Uh, like Ricky stated earlier, he is from San Antonio. He was born in 1943. Mm-hmm. And here we go, of course. Father abandoned the family. Um, he went into the Army at 17, but there was allegations of sexual misconduct, and he ended up having a nervous breakdown, who sounds a lot like Jerry Brudos. Remember that? The shoe fetish slayer? Mm-hmm. He had the same thing mm-hmm. happen. Um, so he ended up being discharged in 1963 and FBI put him on the most wanted list in 1969. Well, why you ask? I'll tell you. Um, but not right away. Cause you know how I like to do my muscle spans. Ricky, you awake motherfucker. I thought you were going to go right into that. Like, I'll tell you why. Like, all right. Like, nope. Oh. nope. So what happened after he had hurt Tolly? Shapiro Mm -hmm. is that he immediately fled to New York and what's crazy about this you got to remember the times right like DNA like cops not talking to each Mm -hmm. other in different states things like that and so he went to New York and he ended up joining NYU film school in the early 70s and even did things with Robin Polanski as far as did he get money to go to NYU it heard like it's not like you said Robin but I mean that is interesting that he would have ties to him. Yeah. Maybe not even in dire- not directly, but still. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he did this. And three years after the attack on Tali, um, he had a really good reputation. Like he had the trust of his colleagues and other students. Um, but th- at this point, this is three years after Tali was almost murdered. Uh, shit started coming out and he was ready to have at it again. So June, 1971, Cornelia is her name. I did not write down her last name because I watched a documentary, which by the way, it's called True Story of the Dating Game Killer. And I couldn't understand what they were saying. So I didn't want to like drop her name. Um, She was a flight attendant and was his next victim. Cornelia was spending the day moving into her new apartment with her roommate in New York. Um, So she was seen doing that, but boyfriend, her boyfriend was trying to get a hold of her and just could not reach her that day. And so he ended up calling the cops to have somebody go and check and see what's going on they went inside and they did find her naked naked and strangled with a stocking uh, with a big bite mark on her boob 
1971, I guess there was over 2000 killings in New York. And so they just had no leads, no idea. And not to mention under the rug. (laughs) Yeah. There's no pattern going on just yet of anything. So they just didn't have anything. The case of course went cold. Uh, Alcala was never a suspect, but he also changed his name to John Berger. Um, <laughs> which reminds me of Sex in the City, right? Isn't Berger's name John Berger? Yeah. Or was he just Berger? I don't know. But <laughs> he ended up relocating to New Hampshire. He worked as a counselor for an arts camp for girls. Mm-hmm. So he did make a lasting impression. He was actually pretty popular. The girls loved him. Um, but one day, two of the girls from the camp went to a post office and saw Rodney Alcala's face on the FBI's most wanted list. Oh, shit. That's why he was on the FBI's most wanted list, because of what he did to Tally. And he mm-hmm. escaped, remember, how he heard her on his floor and she escaped. That's why he was on that. See, I would have I would have been able to answer that earlier for you, but when I said, let me tell you why, I didn't remember why. <laughs> <laughs> so, not so big like shock, it was because of what he did to the little girl. Anyways... <laughs> So the girls run back to camp. They're like, dude, motherfucker. He's like crazy. And the dean's like, I'm going to call the fucking cops. And he ends up getting arrested. Cops get a call from the FBI. And they called the police in California. And California's like, fuck yeah, bring him back. We need to charge him for Tolly's crime. And yada, yada, yada. Too bad, though. Tolly's family actually left and moved back to Mexico. Oh. And they were never heard of again. Like, they... So obviously they really couldn't bring much on Rodney because, you know, they had all moved back. So there was no main witnesses. Prosecutors had to offer Alcala a deal, which is shit. Um, He got guilty of child molestation and had to register as a sex offender. He agreed. Uh, The judge sentenced him to one year from he's, they sentenced him to one year to life. (laughs) And he was released after 34 months. Wow. He, uh-huh. he ended up charming the psychiatrist in jail. And yeah, after 34 months, almost three years, he was free. And uh, immediately he was hired by the LA Times as a typesetter. Jeez. How does this dude have such good luck? I know. NYU Film School. We should start killing LA people Times. and move around. Um, maybe I'll be successful. I know. He, he does it. So what he did is he took photos at weddings. Um, He was supposed to register as a sex offender during all this, but nobody checked up on him. You know, of course not. Why would you? So that is when he went onto the dating game show. After all that shit happened. That's when he went on the dating game show. Okay. Okay. Um, Funny thing about that, though, the woman that had ended up picking him during that, the the bachelorette, she ended up backing out saying that Mm -hmm. she found him creepy mm-hmm. she was like no i'm getting a bad vibe from this dude Good so her man thank god she did that yeah however if he would have murdered her he probably would have been caught quicker oh definitely yeah mm. i don't but, trust you enough to play tennis with you yeah she just no like she said that i forget exactly what she was saying but she just got a creepy vibe and he was well behind Mexican. the scenes he was a different person right yeah he was kind of like cold and like mexican when are we gonna do this would you shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> brown oh lives God. matter ricky i 
God, don't make a mockery of that. You guys, stop. So, 1977, Alcala goes back to New York. And, uh, okay, living in New York, SOS was on a spree at that time. I don't know what that means. Anyways, oh, in 1977, he was living in New York, and uh, this is when the Cornelia case the murder in where they found her naked and stuff like that had been cold for six years at this point. Um, so being back for only one week, he nabbed a 23 year old musician named Ellen Holver. Uh, came from, she came from show business. Uh, she was Sammy Davis Jr. And Dean Martin were her godfathers. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So of course her disappearance made the news and she had pretty high, high profile connections. Um, and also after her death, there was a clue in her apartment, which I found a interesting. Clue, a clue. Yeah. And granted this was six years earlier, but they, they found a clue that said, Hey, I'm going to be meeting John Berger on the same day that she disappeared. John Berger. Remember his alias? Mm-hmm. So his name. Yeah. Yeah. He changed his name. So he, they didn't end up finding her body until a year after her death. And it was so decomposed that they had to use dental records to identify her. And at that time, he was already back in California. So he was, while he was traveling, right, found her, found this lady in New York. I know it's really kind of twisty-turvy, turny, whatever you want to call it. Um, This is a year after her death. He was traveling. And as he was traveling back to California is when he met Christine Thornton. So this homeboy is just really hard to track because he's just going East Coast, West Coast. Mm -hmm. But then again, he's kind of staying around the same areas on both sides. But anyways... Um, so he met Christine Thornton and uh, they headed and what she was doing is she was headed to Montana to pan for gold. Um, she was also pregnant. She told her mom that she was pregnant. She's going off to pan for gold with her boyfriend. And then she was never heard of again. And everybody's like, Oh, the fucking boyfriend did this. Da, 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 da. But turns out that wasn't the case. Um, and I'll get into that later. So this sister of Christine though, spent, almost 40 years trying to get answers to what happened to her sister because it was kind of Rodney was going Alcala was going from New York to California but this one was up in Montana so it was really hard to connect the dots with all these murders so she spent 40 years contacting police hospitals everything uh, FBI she was talking to regularly and during that time no employment records or were reported from social security and so she knew she was dead she's known it but she just has been wanting answers forever and then the spring of 1979 uh back in california robin samso was enjoying the beach life this is another one he takes up he takes down june 20th 1979 she was going to start a new job she went to the beach first um and a friend saw a dude with dark hair and was asking to take their pictures and a neighbor's like, oh man, you know, this little girl, she's, yes, she was going to start a job, but she was only like 11 years old, I think. She's like, okay, this is weird. So she goes up and she's like, hey, is everything okay? And I'll call it just dip the fuck out. He was like, okay. So Robin and the friend, Robin's the young lady that, spoiler alert, gets killed, left to go back home. Uh, the friend told Robin, hey, you know, why don't you take my bike? And she's like, okay, okay. And she's never seen again. Um, they ended up questioning the friend, the police did, and she did describe Alcala. They found Robin's body a few days later, and even the mom asked to see her daughter, and they said no, because it took three days to identify the body. Shit. And she was like, why not? She's got long blonde hair. How hard is that? And the cop responded that there was no hair. 
Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> also, her remains were found 40 miles from where she was last seen. So with that, though, they did end up making a sketch of Alcala, and it was all over Southern California. Uh, <laughs> this is so crazy. So the parole officer saw the sketch of Alcala and was like his prior parole officer that like wasn't tracking anything that he was doing. He saw this sketch and he was like, hey, you need to take a look at Rodney Alcala. Um, and at that time, Rodney was living in Monterey Park with his mom and he had no alibi. So he was arrested July 24th and charged with kidnap and murder of Robin. Um, police got a tip and um, sister visited him in jail and it was recorded. So Rodney's, Rodney's sister came to the jail to visit him. Mm-hmm. And he told his sister that he had a storage union. And guess where the storage unit was located? A union. A union. Guess where it was located? California. Um, it was located in Montana. Seattle, Washington. Uh, <laughs> of course. There had to be ties to Washington. Of course they're dead. He signed to San Antonio, work. California, and Washington. I know. He just hit all the good spots, didn't he? So he says to his sister, he goes, do me a favor, clean it out. And the cops had already known about this storage unit. So um, they got there before the sister did. The sister did attempt to get there and clean it out, but they got there first and they discovered discovered some crazy shit. There were thousands of images of young women uh, described, they described it as supreme vulnerability with Alcala. Um, Little girls with him in the pictures okay Oof. apparently he moved all of his shit in there nine days after robin was murdered that's the 12 year old little girl with the blonde hair that was found without yeah. any hair. um there was a silk bag of like earrings and other jewelry and he said they were his but robin's mom was able to identify a pair of e- earrings because robin used to borrow them all the time so in february 1980 when he went to trial there were 50 witnesses and they sentenced him to death This is where it gets really fucking frustrating, and I'm almost at the end, but just stay tuned to this. However, a five-to-one decision from California ruled he did not receive a fair trial. The jury was improperly told of Alcala's previous sex crimes, is what they claimed. I don't know exactly what they said, but of course they find technicalities. So Robin's family had to go through a second trial six years later. He was convicted a second time and sentenced to death. San Quentin's death row, um, he sat there, and uh, he decided to appeal all over again. So in 2001, 22 years later, federal appeals court overturned his sentence for the second time. What? Based on evidence that he didn't get to present. He was in his 60s. And then in 2010, New York was able to identify him as the killer of two women I mentioned earlier, Cornelia and Ellen. Fingerprints tied him to it, but there just was not enough evidence. Uh, But they did have that bite mark evidence, but still. John Berger is Rodney Alcala, in case you guys didn't pick up on that. And witnesses identified him. But New York couldn't do shit. They had to wait for California to get done with their third trial before they could do anything. So Jill Backham, Georgia Mixted, and Charlotte Lamb and Jill Parento also linked him, but not by DNA. These are three victims that linked him to those. Um, California decided to try all five cases together. Instead of just Robbins, they took four more victims and they tied them all together. And uh, he served as his own attorney 
Oh, they all do, don't they? They all do. Typical narcissist. Akala called Robin's mom to the stand. Oh, my. I know. He's ballsy. During his first trial, she brought up a gun. She brought a gun to court. His very first one. So he tried to bring that up during the courtroom or during the hearing when he was the lawyer. And she didn't fucking deny it. She actually said, I was going to shoot him right in between the eyes if I, if I had a clear shot at him. That would have been amazing. Uh, she also said, like, during that time when she was reaching for the gun, like, she could smell her daughter's hair and felt her presence and couldn't get her hand, like, out of the purse. So nothing happened. I don't know. Like, people have those moments. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Alcala's bitch ass actually ended up writing a book as well. Oh, um, of course he did. And what, what he did is he wrote all about Robin's case in the book. Okay. So prosecutors ended up using this to their advantage because he published his own storyline of what had happened. And then he tried to like say different in court and they're like, sorry, motherfucker, you already put this in writing. Yeah. So the jury took a beating on him. Good. Rightfully so. And he got guilty. And the penalty phase, guess who makes a reappearance during the penalty phase? That's a girl. Yes. Mary Jane Ask girl. Jane. Yep. And guess what? He got death. Hell yeah. Hands down. He got Good. death. So he was on death row for over 30 years and then off to New York. He went back there June 2012, you guys. And he pled guilty to two concurrent prison terms and 20, 25 to life sentences. But he returned to California to serve his terms. He's suspected of more victims around the world. Um, that sister that had spent years searching for her, her sister, the one that went pan, uh, what's it called? Robin was Robin's sister. Not Robin. The one that Montana, it was, Oh uh, yeah. The, the girl one that, that was, was pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the way that she figured this out is there was a website of unidentified women from Rodney's collection. Remember, I know I really could not get that sentence out in his storage <laughs> unit. And so somebody made a website of it and she was looking through them and that's how she found her sister. Um, She submitted her own DNA in case they ever found her sister. And sure enough, it worked and it linked to the cold case uh, for the woman. It says Wyoming. I think she was from Montana going to Wyoming to something like that. I got my states mixed up, but whatever. Yes, the internet. Uh Uh-huh. And they had, they had a missing woman or they had a dead body that they found that was a pregnant woman that was 25 to 35 years old. And that's how they connected it. So after 39 years, sister got her answer. And um, what happened was apparently she did split with her boyfriend. And that's when she met Rodney Alcala. And they kind of romanced and dined. And he went on a road trip with her. And that's when he killed her. So uh, a prosecutor went in to interview him in 2016. Uh, but he was in some medical unit. He had dementia. He was just old as fuck, right? What they did is they showed him pictures of the area Christine was found, and uh, then they showed the picture of Christine. And what he said is that, what they said is that some look came across his face like he was reliving that day, and he took the photo and he set it on his lap and he like traced her body with his finger. And then he started tapping the photograph. And they were saying that it like got harder and faster as he tapped. And then he looked at the investigator and he goes, I didn't kill her. And he just... (laughs) yeah and then he's like no she was alive when i left all that and nothing but what happened is when he said that is that the prosecutor's like boom motherfucker you just confirmed you were with her 
See what I mean there? So they kind of yeah, took him there. Yeah, yeah. And that was all they needed. They charged him with murder. No extradition, of course, but family got some justice. They got some answers and you know what I mean? So he's like he may have alive. dementia, but at least he got, you know, tied to it. Yeah. And he's still alive to this day, guys. You know what? That's that crazy. doesn't, it, the death penalty doesn't make any sense to me. Because uh-uh. they sit in fucking prison. So they might as well just get life in prison. Don't put a fucking death on it. 30 years. Yeah. California too. But I mean, have them go down to Texas. True, (laughs) true, true. California. Come on. Like you're getting the death penalty, but here's 30 more years. That's why nobody fucking does shit in Texas because they'll get knocked off real quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're born in Texas and then they run up to fucking Seattle and California and do their dirty work. Well... What do you guys think? You like it? Interesting? Did it make sense? I know it was a lot of information, but yeah, it did make sense. Okay, it, it was, did. Uh, yeah, well, because like I mean, because the beginning part, of course, where you said the one story and then had to go back to it later, but mm-hmm. it, it did tie in. And then across yeah. the country and whatnot. Yeah, that was a, that was a moving San Antonian. That's crazy. Yeah, he was a mover and shaker. And uh, I'll post a picture of him on Facebook. He, mm-hmm. I'll post a picture of him back in the day on the, yeah, the Bachelor yeah. show and then what he looked like now. All right, guys. So that was my story. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Up next is Sh- <laughs> oh, I don't know what that was, but thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> thank a you. A beautiful angel. This week... I'm doing Richard Ramirez. Yes, the Night Stalker. Stalker. <laughs> he sounds so non-threatening when you say it like that. <laughs> he was really a gangly old bitch. That's what he was. You know he. You know he originally wanted to be the Night Prowler. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that taken? I, actually, the Night Stalker. He's the second Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who the first one was. I think it was Golden State Killer. Actually, was the first Night Stalker. Was he? Mm-hmm. Oh. Speaking of which, that dumb hoe. Guilty. When did he get caught? 2018. Okay, so that's probably why Ramirez went down as the Night Stalker first because they thought he was doing all of those when, in fact, this guy was actually doing them. Mm-hmm. What was he called again? The Golden State Killer, or whatever. Or- yeah. Yeah. He was also like the East Area Rapist, mm-hmm. Golden State Killer. He had a bunch of different, but anyways, this ain't about that old bitch. Nope. This no. is about Ricky Ramirez. Mm-hmm. So he was that. born February 29th, 1960, in El Paso, Texas. Of course. Another Texan. In El Paso. We could do a whole show on just like Texas serial killers. Yeah. Easy. They don't they don't kill in Texas though. Nope, they know better. <laughs> so this little Satan will grow up and kill, rape, and burglar. Burglarize innocent people. Burgle. They burgle. burgle. I even wrote that and I didn't say burgle. it right. <laughs> um all in the state of California. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so um, his father, Julian, was a former Mexican national and also a former um, Juarez police officer. Oh. Damn, on the wrong side. And he was very abusive. 
to little Richie? Probably because he had to deal with Mexican cartels doing whatever they wanted. I think that was before Mexican cartels. I can see that frustration. What year was this? Ramirez? Sixty. he was born. Yeah, like it's been going on since, you know, the 50s. Cartels have been running around doing stuff, whatever they want there. Okay. What happened? I fell asleep. Continue, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) Richard was heavily influenced by um, his cousin, Mike, who was a decorated Army Green Beret combat veteran. Yikes. Mike would sit with Richard and show him all his Polaroid collections of him posing with his Vietnamese victims. Um, Oh, he would. Oh, the, he killed Vietnamese people. He was in the Vietnam War. Yes. Oh, okay. Duh, Sorry, Jeez, I could have probably said that. Um, the Polaroids were like um, women he raped, and some of them he posed with severed heads of women he'd abused. Nice. So right off the get-go, he had a really great role model. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Richard, having taken up smoking marijuana at the age of 10, would sit with Mike and they bonded over joints and talking about the gory details of um, Mike's stint in the Vietnam War. How old was little Dick at this time? 10. 10. Um, (laughs) Which is crazy. I have a 10-year-old almost. And the it's a different yeah, time. Yeah. Different time. Um, he also taught Richard some of his military skills, such as killing with stealth. Great. So Richard, who was starting to try to escape his father's tirades, he would sleep in cemeteries. Oh, I didn't know that. Ooh. Then he was also present for... Um, the shooting of Mike's wife. So he was there when his cousin shot his wife in the face. Mm. Yeah. And later that year, Dick moved in with uh, Sister Ruth and her husband, and her husband was like an obsessive peeping Tom. So he took him out on his little, little nocturnal Escapades. Yeah, escapades, exploits. There we go. There you go. There we there go. go. Do you know how did I don't mean to rewind too much, but when Dick witnessed homeboy kill his wife, do you remember what that fight was about? Uh they were like arguing. Where? I don't know. Just didn't he keep the gun in the refrigerator or something? I don't know. I didn't read that. I think oh god damn it. I could be getting last place to keep a gun though. I know. It, I could be wrong. I could be thinking of a different killer. There's just so many out there. I know. Oh, God. Um, by now, Richard is doing LSD and started becoming interested in Satism. Why not, right? right? Yeah, special. Satanism. Okay, there you go. Did I say Satism? Satism. You said Satism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Satism. Um, they make sacrifices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay back to mike 
he was found not guilty of shooting his wife in the face by reason of insanity. He instead went to the Texas State Mental Hospital for four years and then was released in 1977. And then his influence kept going on to Richard. Oozing onto him. Oozing. Uh, he started growing oh sorry no yeah cubes (laughs) as he started growing up he he became interested in violence with his sexual fantasies which included bondage or forced bondage and rape sex and violence he took a job. One of the best the- episodes is when Shannon just goes off on you, Ricky, and she just tells you a fucking dumbass or something. It's so weird. she's this fucking close, I can see it. It's like a little little nose hair, like a little cunt hair, little pubis. <sighs> so he took a job at the Holiday Inn, the local Holiday Inn, where he used his passkey to rob sleeping guests. He was mm. then fired after he was caught trying to rape this dude's wife. Uh, the dude caught him, obviously. <laughs> and he beat the shit out of him. So Good. But he Is dropped- that why he got fucked up teeth? No, that's because of drugs. Oh. <laughs> um, he dropped the charges Wow. because he beat his ass and they lived out of state. It was just a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. He then dropped out of high school at ninth grade. Then at the age of 22, he moved to California. <laughs> yes. Love the dream. Botch. <laughs> Botch. <laughs> and here comes a bunch of fucking just bullshit. All right. On April 10th, 1984, his first murder. Victim is Mei Ling. She was a little girl. I don't know how old she was fuck i didn't write down in yeah. um and it happened in the basement of the hotel he was living in in san francisco oh he raped and beat her then stabbed her to death and hung her from a pipe Jesus. um june 28th 1984 79 year old jenny Vincow. Hmm was found murdered in her apartment in L.A. She was stabbed many times while asleep in her bed. Throat was slashed so deep he, ne- he nearly took her head off. Damn. Prints were found on the window screen from when he took it off and entered the home. Jesus Christ. So that was put in the little data bank. <laughs> uh, March 17th, 1985. <laughs> Richie attacked 22-year-old Maria Hernandez outside her home. He yeah. shot her in the face with a 22, but she survives because the bullet ricocheted off her keys when she put her hands up to mm-hmm. shield her face. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a good shot. But her roommate heard a gunshot and went and hid behind the counter in the kitchen. He entered the house. She popped up, and he shot her in the face. And she died. She died. Ah. Oh. Um, she actually, yeah, she died. She, she got shot in the forehead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Within the same hour, um, Ramirez pulled Sai Lan Yu 
out of her car in the Monterey Park area, shot her twice with the 22, and fled. She died at the hospital. By this time, he's done three attacks in one day, and now the media is getting into it, and they call him the walk-in, the walk-in killer. Oh, three in one day. <sighs> Whoa. Feels uncomfortable. March 27th, 1985, Richard went to a home he burglarized a year prior and killed the sleeping Vincent Cesara, age 64, with a gunshot to the head with the the 22. Um, what does that say? And Maxine, the wife, was woken by the gunshot. He beat her and tied her hands while demanding to know where the goods were. He then uh, trashed the place. Maxine escapes and gets a shotgun from under the bed, which sadly was not loaded. Uh. Mira shot her three times with the twenty-two, then got a carving knife from the kitchen and just went to town on her body. Stabbed her repeatedly and gouged her eyes out. Why do they have to do that? That is so it's like don't look at me. <laughs> like yeah, there's like much. a thing. There's like a thing with like killing people, right? Where you can just shoot them and stuff. And then when it's like getting to the point where like you're slicing them as well and then gouging out parts and shit, like what are you getting out of that? Obviously, like some kind of gravity. Grab- he was he was bro. performing the hum die. It's fucking gross, bro. But he left sneaker prints in the flower bed. His avias. Yeah. <laughs> His <laughs> sneakers, size eleven and a half. Why wouldn't he steal himself a better pair of shoes? Well, back in those days, you know, they still sell them at Walmart, but back in those days. I was going to say, I think, I think they sell them at Walmart. Oh, yeah. Maybe. So, I'm going to get some for the little baby. I'm going to get some for my baby because she runs like a, she runs with her arms back. Yes. You know, like those kids at, yes. at elementary school that they were the ones those with their arms. Kids. Yeah, that's how like, she runs. Who's that? So she needs some avias. <laughs> who's that? Valid. She's a baby. Fuck it. Well, I don't give a fuck. Nobody taught her how to run like that. She thinks she's faster. She's running like an anime. <laughs> <laughs> she's Naruto-ing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that means. You guys are weird. May 4th. Anyway, so Dick with his avias, what is he doing? He's chilling, killing. <laughs> <laughs> so May 14th, 1985. Ramirez returned to Monterey Park and went into the home of Bill. Hmm. Bill. Sharp. Oh, Bill Carnes, who was 66, Car- and Lillian, Car- 56. Car- um, oh, wait, no, this is not Carnes. Whatever. Bill. So he went to Bill. Yeah, he went into the house of Bill and Lillian. Uh, Lillian is disabled. Ramirez shot Bill in the bedroom right in the face, too. After beating him into unconsciousness, Ramirez went to Lillian's bedroom, which was separate because she was disabled, bound her with thumb cuffs. What are thumb cuffs? Literally cuffs for your thumbs. Just your thumbs. Because she was paralyzed. Something. 
Why, why, why do you have thumb cuffs? What are thumb cuffs? Ricky, what are thumb cuffs for? I probably got them out of a vending machine or a little. No, they actually term. exist. I just don't know what for. I guess put some more effort into it. Your hands yeah. at all? I'm Mr. Google over here. It's my job. You're the thumb cuffs. You're the guy right. with all the knowledge of criminals. All right, hang on. Made up knowledge, thumb. though, of course. Made up. Thumb. So then he, uh, he raped her after he trashed the home. Bill died of his injuries. I don't think Lillian did. I think she she lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 29th, 1988. Ramirez drove a stolen Benz to uh, Mabel and her sister Florence. They were 83 and 81. Mm. And with a hammer from the kitchen, he bludgeoned them and bound them, raped the younger of the two, and used her lipstick to draw a pentagram on her thigh in the walls of both bedrooms he's such a fucking trip he has no consistency none not with the type not with the ways of killing none not with anything i hate that i hate those kind i hate those kind give me some motherfucking btk that at least keeps it consistent you know what i mean i know what they look like ricky yeah i, I saw what they look like but that's why pretty much what they're for that's all they're for keep the hands from moving keep the hands from moving um they were found two days later alive, but comatose. Yeah. The older of the sisters died days later. The next day, Dick drove the same Benz to Burbank and snuck into the home of Carol Kyle, 42. At gunpoint, he bound her and her 11-year-old son with handcuffs. He let her go to lead him to the valuables. He then sodomized her repeatedly. He told her not to look at him or he'll cut her, cut out her eyes. Um, it was, don't look at me. He bound the two together again and split. July 2nd, 19, 1985. I said 1988 on the last one. It was 1985. I'm sorry. It was the 80s. He was in his 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Now driving a stolen Toyota, he picked a random house, which was Mary Louise Cannon, who was 75. He bludgeoned this poor sweet sleeping granny and then stabbed her with a 10-inch butcher knife. Yummy. Yes. <laughs> July 5th, 1985, again broke into a home in Sierra Madre and bludgeoned 16-year-old Whitney Bennett with a tire iron iron. She slept in her room. He attempted to strangle her with a telephone cord. He freaked because sparks were coming out of the cord. She began to breathe again. And he flipped out and fled. In his avias. Yep. Bennett survived needing 478 stitches to close up scalp lacerations. Jesus. This guy's not like a very skilled killer. You know what I mean? Nope. He shoots he people. They a survive. lot of people alive. Yeah, he pretty much sucks. Yeah. He's getting he does, an A for effort. Just no. He's no. It's even a B. <laughs> a B. Might. A B for bruh. It shouldn't bruh. be too hard to fucking bruh. shoot somebody and kill him, but he like literally fails at just shooting somebody and killing them. Yep. Ricky, what? Your grading system sucks. <laughs> okay. It's an A for awful. 
<laughs> Shannon's on press. <laughs> um, July 7th, 1985. A dumb fuck burgled the home of Joyce Lucille Nelson, who was 61. She was asleep on her living room couch. He beat her to death with his fists and kicking her in the head. I think she's the one where he left an actual foot print in her head. Mm-hmm. Avias. Yeah, those are those fucking avias. But what color were they? White. I don't know. Bloody. Those are the shoes that like grandpa's wear to mow the lawn. He seems yeah. like a white pair of avias kind of guy. He does. After that, he cruised two neighborhoods and finally chose Sophie Dickman's house. She was 63. He goes on to assault and handcuff Dickman at gunpoint, attempted a rape, and stole her jewelry, then told her to swear on Satan. (laughs) He's really into, like, that granny stuff. Well, isn't he going into random houses? Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, consistently he's he's trying certain, to rape certain neighborhoods are there's a bunch of old people. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Oh my Does he have mommy issues? That's what Sierra Madre reminds me of. We almost bought the house on Sierra Madre. <laughs> and it was old people? Yeah, we almost bought a house on Sierra Madre. That's right. It's our seven. I really house. like that name. Um July 10th, 1985, Richie bought a machete. <laughs> and before driving to Glendale, where he chose the home of Layla Nee Nighting, 66, and husband Maxon, 68, he burst into their home and hacked him. Hacked, yeah, wait, no, hacked him with a machete while they were asleep, then killed both with shots to the head with his trusty 22 yeah that 22 never leave home without it he hacked them a little more post-mortem and stole their shit early the next morning he drove to sun valley and broke into the covenant family home he shot the sleeping chenarong chenarong how do you spell it C-H-A-I-N-A-R-O-N-G. Shannon. I'd have to I'd have to see it, but you know I'll get it wrong. 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 You know how Ricky does with names. Well, anyway. Uh, Cherica. Was that one? Cherica. I was gonna I was gonna say Chantrix. Cherica in the head. Chantrix? You mean Chantrix? With the mugs. See, I even got that one wrong. But this time he's moved up oh, to a 25 caliber. Oh, three more caliber. I know. Which, pew, pew, pew. Which, hold up. It's a, it's a chopper. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, uh, he repeatedly raped some kid. A kid now? No. That's her name. Is that his name? That's, That's his name. name. Some, some, some kid. S O M K I D. Yeah. I don't Jan. I didn't know. I didn't have the template. I didn't Jan. see the writing. Ricky, get off me. 
<laughs> me anything, people. Don't get mad at me. Don't come shut for me. Ricky, shut the fuck up. Seriously, okay. shut up. Uh, yeah, dick. I'm not going tonight. Dick Cardo. Also, uh, beat her and sodomized her. He bound their poor little eight-year-old son while he dragged his mother, some kid, around the house looking for valuables. And he demanded her to swear to Satan that she wasn't holding out on him. <laughs> The good Legos. Oh, fuck. All right. August 6th, <laughs> 1985. Bitch ass drove to Northridge where he broke into Chris. And- We're still in 85? Yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. He broke- We've been in 85 for a hot minute. I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch. Chris and Virginia Peterson. Uh, creeping into the bedroom, he started startled. Sorry. Virginia, who was 27, and shot her in the face. Amazing. With a 25. He then shot Chris in the temple, but while attempting to flee, Chris fought back and managed to dodge like two to three bullets. Well, because Dick is a great shot, apparently. Uh, Dick ran away, and the couple survived. (laughs) Of course they did. God, he sucks. He does suck. August 8th, 1985. Look at that. Richard drove to the Diamond Bar... To, I'm sorry, to Diamond Bar, California, and chose the home of Sakina Abawath, who was 27, and her husband, Elias, who was 31. In the early morning, he entered the house and went into Is their his bedroom. his name really Elias? Elias. E-L-Y-A-S. Elias? Okay, I was like, they just Is call it, him Elias? Is it Elias? <laughs> Elias? I'm pretty sure it's Elias. God damn it, I should be recording this right now. <laughs> Your face of just like <laughs> And what was the other name? The, the Elias. What? What? El- Elias. Elias. Shut up. And then what what was the woman's name of that one? With Tell Elias? Some kid. No, not some kid. Stop the it. one you just said. Sakina. Before. Sakina? Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna let that one. You say it's Sakina. No, I don't know, but I know that. Yeah, Elias I know. Okay, okay, okay. I did. I flubbed. It's Elias. <laughs> it's okay. I've been there. Elias. Jesus Christ. Elias. 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 Check. Check. What did I say again? Check. 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 No, no, no. The girl's name that I messed up. Not Chickatillo. The girl I messed up. Everybody's Akina? been there. All right, Dick. Shut up. Come All on. Right. Back to the. <laughs> uh, he went to their bedroom and shot dead <laughs> Elias. He cuffed and beat Sakina, then brutally raped and sodomized her. He demanded her to swear to Satan not to scream during his assaults on her. Then the couple's three-year-old entered the room. He tied him up and continued raping Sakina. After Ramirez left, she sent her three-year-old son out of the house to the neighbors to get help. What, what happened like to that's Laura? exactly you had to see her face audience <laughs> that's exactly what i would do i would send my three-year-old out into the fucking open after i got go make a collect sodomized. go get help honey i could send my eight-year-old and she'd be like excuse me what what the fuck you want no. me to do like, i don't i'm not knocking on a stranger's door bitch like no exactly. you get your ass up i don't care you've been sodomized go bitch did elias die Yes. So Ramirez knew about his growing media coverage by then um, 
in the LA area. So he decided to take it to San Francisco area. God, how many fucking people did he kill? Only 13. But he, but he, but he injured he like 40 something. A bunch of people. Right. Oh my fuck. Yeah. So August 18th, uh, 1985, he broke into the home of Barbara and Peter Pan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Yes. Don't forget that. Peter Pan. Uh, this, I think, was prior to Peter Pan stories, maybe? No. No? Peter, Pan's okay. Peter Pan stories came out in, like, the 50s. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Why would, some, why would a parent do that to a kid? Somebody Just tell fuck me. Fuck with them. I mean, like, or they were, what? like, super fans of Peter Pan. Was Peter Pan his full <gasps> name, or did he have a last never name? grow up. Like, Peter Pan Jeffries or some shit? I know Peter Pan's life story, okay? <laughs> I just know his name's Peter Pan. His wife's name's Barbara. His cousin's name is ah, El- Elias. Barbara. <laughs> Elias is over for the fucking picnics on the weekends. Yep. <laughs> With some kid. Some kid. Well, I'm done. This is not okay. Done. Retirement. We're going into retirement. Listen, we took a hiatus. It's just. This is why we went to hiatus. <laughs> this is why we went to hiatus. We need to get our lives. Okay, so he shot Peter in his sleep. He was 66. He then sexually assaulted and beat Barbara, who was 62, then shot her in the head, leaving her for dead. He used... I know. He was 66, so Peter Pan probably wasn't around. 85 minus 66 in the 20s, so boom, Ricky! What the hell does that even mean? Don't Peter put Pan math wasn't invented into when he was time. born. Peter Pan wasn't invented. Math and time in don't mix. 19, 19. So this lady survived. I haven't even fucking got there yet. I mean, you said she left me for dead. I didn't say she lived. Okay. Gosh. Here we go. One, two, three, and recording now. Okay. (laughs) Hold on. I need to let a cat out. Whatever. Whatever. Go on. He used lipstick again to draw pentagrams and the phrase Jack the Knife on the bedroom wall. Whatever the fuck that means. So along with that and his shoe prints, they knew it was the same guy by now. So Richard um, bid his avia sneakers farewell and dumped them over the Golden State Bridge. Oh, he went to the Golden State. Okay. Okay. Didn't want to go to the other. This was in the San Francisco area, remember? Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, and then he headed back to LA. LA. To law. August 24th, 1985. Jesus. Dick drove south of LA to Mission Viejo. He broke into the Romero's home where James Romero Jr. had just gotten back from a vet. A family vacation to Rosarito Beach, Mexico. Um, the Romero's 13-year-old son heard footsteps because he couldn't sleep that night. He went outside to the garage for some shit. Um, the son went he heard and footsteps because he didn't have those avias on. That's why. <laughs> they weren't quiet. <laughs> um, he woke his parents. Um Everyone is awake and aware, so naturally Richie fled the scene. Not before James raced outside and noted the make, color, and style of the car he was driving at the time. Was it tan? 
I want to say it was orange. Probably. He seems like he'd be an orange driver. James contacted police with this info, and the police just thought that uh, the kid just Mm. chased a burglar away. After this same night, he broke into the house of Bill Carnes, who was 30, and fiance Inez Erickson, who was 29. Mm-hmm. He entered through the back door and then into the bedroom, shot Carnes three times, turning his attention to Inez. I'm not sure Inez. about names anymore. Inez. Yeah. Inez. It's Inez. 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 Okay. <sighs> Oh, he told her that he was the night stalker and forced her to swear she loved Satan. As he beat her, then bound her with neckties to her closet. He stole all the shit he could find, dragged Inez to another room where he raped and sodomized her once again with the sodomizing. Just loves them buttholes. Is that what sodomizing is, his butt? Yeah. Okay. Um, So why do they say oral sodomy? Because you're you're having sex with the mouth. It's, it's basically the same thing. So rape is the vagina and oral sodomy is, is the I mouth. I thought that was like then, forced fellatio. It is forced fellatio. But it's called, okay, whatever. This is, this is how I it's get called, confused. It's called oral sodomy. sodomy with buttholes, but they say oral yeah. sodomy. You know oral I mean? sodomy just means an orifice that you're not allowed to be in. <laughs> well, maybe they... Okay. Maybe they made them lick their butthole. <laughs> Pretty sure it's set your goddamn tongue out. <laughs> that 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 could also be yes, yes. Be like, I want to feel it on there. Okay. Anyway, yes. before we get into trouble, um, he left her and told her to tell them the night stalker was here. Mm-hmm. Um, Inez untied herself and went to a neighbor. They removed two bullets from Karn's head and he'd survived, but they, ended up, they ended up breaking up. Um, a- after that situation? Well, I think a few years, a few years, a few years down the road, yes. Yeah, because trauma bonding. He not had so some kind of after issue with it. Um, Inez gave a detailed description to police, found his footprints, the car was found, and so was one fingerprint from the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. The print led them to Ramirez, a 25-year-old Texas drifter who had a long rap sheet. From, like, burglary to... I Burglary? I don't know. Texas drifter. That's when they really released- stuff. And then they released his mugshot to the media, which was awesome because it got him caught. August 30th, 1985. Uh. Richard took a bus to Tucson, Arizona to visit his brother. Clearly unaware, he had become the face of all the newspapers. Um, the morning of August 31st. Oh, wait, hold on. Um, after failing to meet his brother, he took the bus back to L.A. Uh, the morning of August 31st, 9th, 
Yeah, I heard it. Thirty first, nineteen eighty five. He even passed police officers staking out bus terminals, looking for dudes getting out of the city. You know, right? Um, and went to a convenience store. He was where he was immediately recognized by an elderly woman, identifying him as El Matador. Yeah. What does that mean, Rick? The bull. The killer. Oh. <laughs> Ramirez saw wait. Ramirez then saw his face on the front pages and fled the store. After running across the Santa Ana freeway, he attempted to carjack a woman, but was chased away by bystanders who pursued him, one of which struck Ramirez over the head with a metal bar. The group held him down and beat the living shit out of him. Nice. Until the police arrived. So good for yes. you for East LA peeps. Keep fighting. Um, at Ramirez's first court appearance, he raised his hand with a pentagram on it and yelled, Hail Satan. Mm-hmm. Of course he did, because he's a stupid little burp. With this little fucking idiot. Yeah. August 14th, 1988, the trial was interrupted because one of the jury members didn't show up. Phyllis Singletary was found shot in her apartment. So the jury now terrified that Richard could hurt them beyond the courtroom. Uh, um, later, they found out she was shot by her boyfriend and the boyfriend committed suicide later in a hotel. Uh-huh. Um, an alternative juror placed her and things resumed. So September 20th, 1988, Diak was convicted of all charges against him. 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murder, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. Did I was going to ask something. We might say something about it. Did he ever will. confess or talk to Mm-mm. anybody about No, because no, it, no. he would be if he would say that I don't I have no comment because it will affect my future appeals or some bullshit. Oh, I don't like him at all. Nope. He would have been a good brain study because every other study has been somebody that's been narcissistic, had a pattern, stuff like that. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Bye. (laughs) November 7th, 89. He was sentenced to die in California by gas chamber. After he heard this, he said, big deal. Death always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Mm. Fucking weirdo. Um... Then the, pen, then the pen pal psychos. Yep. I got married. Doreen Leoy wrote Richard. Good job, Doreen. Huh? The good job, Doreen. Whatever. Starting in 85 all the way up to their marriage in San Quentin years before his death, Leoy stated she would commit suicide when he was ex- executed. Fucking Looney Tune. Um, he was in jail with Rodney. I don't, I know. Oh, I don't understand these bitches. They make no sense. Oh, he was a different person. Through a bitch or in pen. Of course they're different if they're living behind like a four by four block. Anyway. They're just like conjuring up other ways to be crazy. Like, dude. (laughs) Leoy eventually left Ramirez. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you leave someone in prison but 
she did, whatever that means, by the time of his death, though he was engaged to a 23-year-old writer. He was 53. Must spin his teeth. That's how he gets the ladies. Well, he got his teeth fixed in prison. No, he didn't. He did. Wow. Yep. They paid for his teeth to get fixed. Is there Why? a picture? Is there a picture? I don't fucking know. Hail Satan. I mean, they didn't like fix them real good, but um so he was deemed a psychopath by doctors, also with a side of narcissism, antisocial personality disorder, and dominant disorder. The fuck's dominant disorder? I don't no, know. I That's a new that one. Shit. I never heard that shit before, but um then old Rich bit the dust on June seventh, twenty thirteen, due to complications uh, secondary to B cell lymphoma, and he had been affected by chronic substance abuse and chronic hepatitis C viral infection. The fifty-year-old had been on death row for twenty-three years. Again, why do we keep these people alive if they're on death row? How long was he on death row for? 23 years. Yeah, because he died at 53, mm -hmm. 2013. And that was my he big didn't... old steaming pile of piece of shit ass, bitch ass, motherfucker. <laughs> um, you know that first wife that he had? What's interesting, she was like, oh my God, if they kill him, I'm going to kill myself. And then like shortly after she got the divorce. <laughs> yeah. Or fiance, I don't know. Either I way, her, I've watched her talk, and I'm just like, mm, you have zero friends. I, women that do that, you know, I've considered writing Brendan Dassey and Stephen Avery, not in a weird. No, no, no. I, I get it. I hey, like, dude, like, did you do it, man? <laughs> but like, I would feel weird if like Stephen Avery wrote me back. I'd be like, no, you should fucking do it. Because you know Brendan's ass had nothing to do with it. You know Brendan's innocent as shit. He's dumb. <laughs> but, but Bobby Dassey, the brother that, you know, anyway, I'm not even going to get into that. Yep. So that was me. And next is Ricky. <clears throat> All right. So today I'm doing William Bonin. Um, William Bonin is actually known as the Freeway Killer. Yes. If you know anything about him, that's pretty much the name you're going to know. Um. He was a twice paroled sex offender. So right there, there's a big issue. Um, right. uh, he was, uh, <laughs> he was, um, he was fond of boys. Yes, he was. Uh, and also of rape and torture. Oh, um, great. You picked a winner. Yeah. So uh, he committed rape and torture and murders of at least 21 young men. Uh, between oh man 1979 and 1980 that's a year of how many you said uh, uh, at least 21 20 minimum of 21 him and gay possibly more friends. um uh, in southern california oh, of course um, shocker <laughs> yeah. where was he born where was he born he was uh he was actually born in Connecticut, Willa, Willa, Pen what is Will Willamantic. Willamantic. Where did he grow up, though? <clears throat> um, hang on. Anybody growing up in Connecticut is not a killer. Yeah, so he was born in Connecticut, and then when he was, uh, he was in an orphanage in Mansfield, Pennsylvania, for a little while. Yes. 
Well, orphanage. Okay. And then he um, was in the Air Force. He went to Nam, and then that's when he went back. And then he got went to California. Did he have some Chinese <clears throat> boys? So he didn't have like a hometown. Not really. Well, but well, Connecticut. Connecticut was his hometown, and oh, the things- orphanage. Though. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, I like it. It's a little bit of a twist from what we're used to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, overzealous today. Really I don't know. Got off on that one. <laughs> I uh, so he was um, the second of three brothers, uh, born to a pair, unfortunately, of alcoholics. Um, his father was a gambler. He was abusive. Um, they were neglected like crazy. So you know, already in a bad situation. A concoction um, of fuck. Pretty much. Their grandfather was a convicted child molester yes. um, who had actually molested his mom oh. when she was a child. Oh, you know, that's so and that's why she's now. Unfortunately, with this guy, it's going to kind of run in the family, you know, because oh, it's it, he's really coming from a bad place. It's um, what I hate about all this shit when we talk about serial killers and where they come from is like they literally had no chance. They lived yeah. through hell. Their childhood. I don't give a shit about the nature versus nurture shit. I've researched mm-hmm. it. I've taught it. Like their childhood usually is consistently crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Besides Dahmer. Dahmer's a weird thing. I don't know. But anyways. Right? Dahmer's parents were normal. Kind of. Mom was a little mentally she weird. Was she was a little crazy. Dead. But still, yeah. Good dad. Seemed to love him. Anyway, continue. So in 1953, um, mm. his mother had placed him and his sons in the orphanage. Uh, in an effort to protect her children from her father's uh, ongoing violence. Uh, So he'd get drunk and get bad. And so she just was like, I need to give them up. Uh, The orphanage was known for uh, severely disciplining uh, the children it housed as well. So, you know, going from an abusive family or abusive father and then Mm -hmm. going to an orphanage where you're supposed to be protected from that. And you're basically getting abused again. Um, They were the punishment administered include beatings Enduring uh, stress positions and partially drowning, and until their skin's filled with water. So, like, basically, you're sit you're sat underwater for a period uh. of time, and your body soaks it up. You know, kind of oh. like a balloon. Um, so yeah, so he had it super bad at this orphanage where it's supposed to be like a safe haven for him, and it's actually terrible. Um, Jesus, what's the name of that orphanage? It's it's just it, that's the one in Mansfield, you oh, know, where oh, where he li- where they where gotcha. she took him. So, uh, hang on, sorry. So, although um, he later discussed many aspects of his childhood and adolescence, he refused to discuss the memories of the orphanage. Beyond stating that he consented to sexual advances from older males while he was there. So, dude's got it pretty bad, and that's before the age of 10. Jesus Christ. So, at the age of 10, he's arrested for stealing license plates and placed in a juvie center. And right then and there again, once again, he's, uh, you know, being advanced on by older people, uh, also in the juvie center. So, again, he's, uh, you know, sexually abused and by a counselor there uh, at the juvie center Ugh. it sucks does he say like rape me on my forehead or something 
you know, it might might have been oh, crap. Why can't I remember his name? Anyway, the Pee Wee. No, it was everywhere this dude goes is just everybody's taking advantage I thought, of him. Okay, I, I misunderstood. Okay, <laughs> never mind. I was like, what? Grate me on the forehead? What does that mean? <laughs> grape me. I'm gonna grape, grape you so hard. No, I didn't get that. Okay, okay so, um, so after after graduating high school, he became engaged. <clears throat> mostly because of his mom his, it was like a kind of like an arranged marriage almost Aww. <clears throat> so okay so uh, it was kind of an arranged marriage by his mom because she saw all the telltale signs of him being a homosexual um, so out of high school she was definitely pushing him to to get married um, but the same year that he graduated, he joined the U.S. Air Force, and he served active duty in Vietnam as an aerial gunner. Oh, uh, shit. Um, blogging 700 hours of combat time. God damn. So, you know, he was, uh, he was there for a while. So. It's kind of badass. Okay, well, wow, so. Hours, but kind of just not. 700, 700 hours? hours i mean you know One deployment? Uh, i think that's just a deployment you know because you're you're doing it's basically while you're on the clock kind of i so mean all you the time, can't you, know, you can't fly for 700 hours obviously you can only fly for a couple hours at a time but combat yeah. so he was in combat for 700 hours combat combat gunner be over there for a year he could be over there for a year but only work you know or like even combat even maybe he's there for two deployments to you know for the to split the timer who knows i don't know anybody in the military wants to fill us in on that how that works you know that'd be cool but he also received the medal of remember um oh man okay so he had gotten a, a medal of recognition uh for gallantry uh later he would claim he would use it in order to have consensual uh, consensual relations with both male and female uh in, look how gallant i am what does that Pretty mean much what he, is would use, he, he would use well, it was like um well okay so there's bravery which would be like, you know, you saved somebody or you pulled somebody out of somewhere. Gallantry just means he did his job very, very well. Oh, okay. They, they would give up. I'm sure they, I don't know. Anybody in the military wants to correct me on that? Absolutely. I was welcome. in the Air Force. But... <laughs> um, so anyway, he was using his metal as a way to bone people. Um, so he he'd also later to admittedly he admitted to sexually assaulting two fellow soldiers at gunpoint uh during the period of the Tet offensive. Jesus. Twinsies. Twinsies. So mind. What? I was about to say something nasty. I ain't gonna do it. Don't you do it, girl. Don't don't you do it. Don't ruin don't, your don't. life. Don't, All right, don't so, so at the age of 21, after the Air Force, um, he committed his first sexual assault on a youth. Oh, on a youth. He had to go oh, there. On a youth. Well, I mean, that's just, that's what he did. That's what his thing was. That's what his MO was. Um, unfortunately, was. So <clears throat> he committed three further sexual assaults upon boys um, in the following four months. 
the victims of these were between the ages of 12 and 18. Each of them were bound or restrained, and then they were forcibly uh, sodomized, and then he had oral occupation. Oral Oral occupation. Oral copulation. So oral sodomy? With their mouth. Yeah, oral sodomy, Rick. Oral sodomy, like we talked about earlier. And then, of course, his methods of torture would be to bludgeon them, hitting them really hard, and then his other thing was to squeeze their testicles. Oh, that's not nice. So. Little rascal. (laughs) Little rascal. Come on. These are the kids. Oh. You know. They pop like grapes. I don't want to know. What I really don't. Testicles. Oh no, owie, ew. Okay, visual. Owie, Ricky, that doesn't hurt you. That hurt me. I don't even have a hole. Like, no, like I can feel the, like, kind of like the pressure right now, like somebody's doing it with their mind. It's me. Right here. Look in the camera. Just get it, Shannon. I'm going to throw it. Get it. Get it, Shannon. Mm. You hurting? A little bit. I can feel like my right nut kind of like squirting. Oh, okay. Swear to God. It's trying to <clears throat> go up into your body. The drama. So okay. early in the next year, uh, he was arrested again for trying to restrain a 16-year-old um, he had lured into his vehicle. Uh, he was indicted on five counts of kidnapping, uh, four counts of sodomy, one count of oral stuff. Sodomy. <laughs> Population. However you want to say it. Um, and uh, a count of child molestation against five youths he had abducted youths and assaulted i said youths not five youths 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 you don't get it so youths i get it okay (laughs) girl i got you boo youths where he's so bike focused he doesn't want to fuck it up he's like so he's right after the air force he's just off and running is basically what's going on. I mean, he like is a, really getting into it. Um, like so after, Gump, but basically, like and balls, basically, he's the force. Harry, Gump I feel like I'm running at an incredible rate. rate. So he pled guilty to the molestation and forced oral copulation, um, and then he was sentenced to a state hospital. Hmm. So they had to get treatment for him because apparently back in these days in the sixties and early seventies, this is a sickness, you know, old is he? Um, he's like 21 at this time, 21, gotcha. 22. Gotcha. So yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, Hey, we want to save your life. You know? Yeah. We want to save your life and we want to, you know, get you to be normal later on. Um, <laughs> oh, so he was a lag. <laughs> oh, later on, later on, later on, so while detained at the hospital, he was a subject subjected to battery um, of psychiatric examinations, um, which revealed he had a high IQ, but he also had he was manic depressive. Uh, he had manic depression, <clears throat> which is bipolar, which is bipolar and damage to his brain. <laughs> so he had problems <laughs> in the head from all of his abuse. Because he did grow up in a land of abuse. Um, he was in uh, the orphanage of abuse and in the juvie center of abuse and the Air Force of abuse. Where he abused? 
where he, he was right. abused and was abused. So it was not really going great. Um, let's see, that was in 80 or 69. I'm sorry. Or sorry, 71. That was in 71. So three years later, um, he's released from the hospital two years after. Okay. Um, and then a year after that, he encounters a 14 year old named David Allen McVicker uh, hitchhiking. And he accepted, uh, McVicker accepted uh, Bonner's offer to drive him to his parents' house in Huntington. Uh, shortly after, he was attacked by Bonner. And, well, not attacked, actually, sorry. I apologize. I'm getting ahead. Look at your hair. Um, <laughs> Bonin actually asked David if he was gay. Um, and then Bonin basically pulled out a gun in case the answer was no. So he drove the youth, uh, David, to a deserted field uh, where he ordered him to undress and then beat and raped him. Uh, after the beating and assaulting, uh, he began to strangle him with his own T-shirt, then immediately tried to apologize, but then David started screaming uncontrollably. Uh, he then drove him home before casually stating, we'll meet again. Um, so David's mother immediately informed, or sorry, David immediately informed his mom of what had happened, and she called the police. And he was charged with rape and forced stuff again with the mouth uh, of a 15-year-old because that's how old this guy was, David. Um, so he actually tried to proposition him with money. So they got him on the attempted everything and then also trying to solicit sexual stuff. Uh, he pleaded guilty to all of these charges and in December of 1975, he was sentenced to serve one and between one and 15 years uh, in, in prison. Jeez, he was released after 18 months. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Gary, so, shut the fuck up. I'm going to set my cat outside. He's being. Well, Chikatilo's so cute. Babe, do you like my hair? <laughs> it looks like I look like Eddie Van Halen. Definitely, maybe David Lee Roth. There you go. Luca Magnata, come here. Luca, you gotta really call it by its whole name. I did it one night when I was drinking too much wine. The kids picked Luca, and then I started calling it Luca Magnata, and now mm. everybody calls him Luca Magnata. And Gary was. Gary Ridgeway Gacy. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So, um, so he was released. He was released after 18 months, and then he kind of goes and lives in Texas for a little while, and then goes back. And so his method of selection was getting young male hitchhikers, um, occasionally male prostitutes, if he couldn't find a victim. Uh, between the ages of 12 and 19, or the, uh, they were either enticed or forced into his van, which was a Ford Econoline, which was like the number one rape van in America at one time. Get in my van. 
Is that the one with like the yellow and like the wood trim? No. It can. There's a lot of them that had it, but it's just that really basic flat top van. Yeah, you know, with van. the double doors and, and the one sliding door. You know, like the first van that really came out was the Econoline, and that was like people put wood trim on it, they put everything on it, they put plastic and on it. Like the pilot right. seats in the back, right? Yeah, they had like two two captain's chairs, what two pilot seats, and then a bench seat in the back. Yeah. Or some of them just had all bench seats Those in the back, were you know. Badass. So my friend's parents had one of those. Yeah, the kind of lines were nice. So um but, 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 uh, so he would always over be able to overpower them. He'd always get somebody who was smaller than him so that way he wouldn't have to fight with them too much. Uh, handcuff or wire cord, whatever he had. And then, of course, his MO was to sexually assault them and then beat them, um, torture them any way they can, and then eventually suffocate all of them. Uh, one victim was actually forced to drink hydrochloric acid. Oh. Um, three victims had ice picks driven into their ears. And one other victim died of shock in the middle of everything. Uh-huh. Um, Jesus Christ. It was very methodical. You know, one of those guys who is methodical. Um, he would actually try to, yeah, military guy. Try to mi- minimize his chances um, of his victim escaping by removing all inner handles from the passenger side door. Um, so that way they couldn't just, they couldn't get to any door and get out. Uh, he also stowed, you know, ligatures, knives, and tools inside the vehicle. So that way, you know, nothing or something was always just right within reach. Wow. In about 12 of the murders, uh, he was actually assisted by at least one to four accomplices. What? Yeah. Jesus. So, you know, he may have... More boys following, or found some people who were like him, and they decided to work together for a little while. Um, uh, they said, according to his confession, the uh, levels of brutality he had exhibited towards the victims had been similar to that of a drug addict, requiring the ever greater, ever greater increase of a dosage to satisfy the euphoria. So, like, the more he did these killings and tortures and stuff, the more he needed to torture the next one even longer. Hmm. So, he would, they would be worse and worse and worse, you know, to the point to where he got assistance. So, that way he could watch other people beat them even more and more and more. So, very crazy this guy was. He was, I don't know, he's got a level. (laughs) <laughs> he is a level. He's he, got a he's level. He's definitely a level. <clears throat> so he was arrested on his first murder. Um, he had killed a 13-year-old hitchhiker uh, named Thomas Lundgren. And his body was found... Uh, sorry, I'm going to start over. Oh, sorry. Okay, so... Uh, Thomas Lundgren and his body was found with his face bludgeoned. Uh, his skull had multiple fractures and he'd been slashed across the throat. What the hell he was that? In his, it sounded like a burp. Or it was one of the cats farting. Or Jen. Um, <laughs> was that a but quiff? Also, it wasn't a quiff. Oh. It wasn't a quiff. It's my Facebook. I only opened it. 
It so, sounds better if I say queef, though. All right, you're probably going to hate this part, but uh, so his underwear, jeans, and severed genita- uh, genitals were discovered in a field close to his body, kind of thrown all over the place. Yes, um, Christ. In the abduction of him, uh, that's one of the ones where he was assisted by uh, one of his accomplices. Um, he is suspected of accompanying him or assisting Bonin on at least eight of the murders attributed to the freeway killer murders. Hmm. Uh, so then in 79, he's arrested again for molesting a 17 year old boy. Um, and the violation of the conditions of his parole should have resulted in him being returned to prison. However, an administrative error committed uh, prior to Bonin's scheduled court date resulted in his release. Of course. So a typo error. kept him out of kept him out of prison. Isn't that fucked up? And then I he hate go- our legal system. And then he goes on to commit why he becomes, you know, the freeway killer, of course. So so he's not uh, even technically the freeway killer yet. Not yet, but he's done all yeah. of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's been in and out of prison at least three times by now. He's a beauty. Um, take a moment and give it a hand of applause to the fucking judicial system. Let me yeah, you kind of have to at this Jiu-jitsu point. Jiu-jitsu system? Jiu-jitsu gyms! <laughs> what? Keep going. Okay. So... Two months after the murder of David Lundgren, um, on August 4th, 1979, Bonin and his accomplice, his last name is Butts, uh, they abducted a 17-year-old named Mark Shelton. Shortly after the youth left um, his Westminster home, screams were heard from the vicinity of the Shelton household uh, by his neighbors. Um, there was a strong possibility that he was abducted, and of course, that came out to be the case. Um, his body was after, sorry, um, he was violated with foreign objects, including a pool cue, oh. causing his body to enter a state of shock, which proved fatal. So, this was the kid that basically, when this started for him, he shut down and he passed away due to shock. Um, up his so, butt? Yeah, cue stick went up his butt, yes. So, you know, him being from Westminster, you know, which is probably, who knows, probably a pretty nice neighborhood, Orange County, California, um, this just drove him to go into shock and pass away. You know, so probably lucky for him because he didn't have to endure what the other victims of uh, Bonin had already suffered, you know, because he was probably in for a beating, a bludgeoning, raping. you know testicles removed you know and stuff like that but how do you pass away from that shock he went into he just went into shock shock can kill you yes it can yes it just depends on it just depends on the person doesn't happen often often it's it's very i'm pretty sure it's rare but it is something that happens who says he died that way though the the police really yes the coroner release yes yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, hang on one second. I didn't believe it. Well, look I'm going to say it was a corner look up for shop. the prosecutors. <laughs> Same. Because I'm a little, I'm a little snooty booty. I feel All like right. it's so, 
Oh, Cleo, too. They've been the taking bigger up my ass. West. <laughs> West. Just kidding, family, mom. Okay, Don't. so, so the next day, um, after after these two, Bonin and his accomplice butts, um, kill Mark Shelton. The next day, they encounter a 17-year-old, uh, at the time, West German student who was living in California. Um, he was hitchhiking the Pacific Coast Highway, and they grabbed and bound him, and they took him, sodomized him, beat him, stabbed him a total of 77 times, and then they discarded his naked body uh, close to a canyon road. Um Let's see. That was on August 4th. August 4th, so August 5th. So, uh, 17 days later, uh, they abducted a 15-year-old. Same thing happened with him. I mean, I could just go on and on, but the MO is absolutely the same for each one of these. Uh, two weeks after the, the last one, they abduct a 9- and a 17-year-old on the same day. So, like, these guys are just... They got a streak going on. Um, but after after a killing on September seventeenth, yeah, so about a month after, uh, he's known not to kill Bonin again until November first, when he and his accomplice Butts uh, abducted and murdered an unidentified young man, approximately nineteen years old. Uh, the victim had been savagely beaten, strangled to death before his body was discarded in an irrigation ditch. Yikes. So, so this is, I mean, <laughs> hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So 10 killings in total for the freeway murders. I think I got through about seven of them, but they were all the same. I mean, every single one was exactly the same. Bludgeon these poor kids, um, you know, rape them, sodomize them any old which way. And then they were just dumping their bodies whenever and wherever it seemed uh, appropriate for them. Um, so then those killings stopped for a little while. Oh, I'm sorry. Hang on. Okay, shit. Okay, so um, after the um, the freeway killings uh, on February fourth, he was arrested uh, for violating the conditions of his parole. Like, I mean, how is it that you go on a killing spree for so long? I mean, it's just the time of year, though. You know, I mean, in the seventies, it's kind of hard to find people, especially if they're moving around. So uh, he was remanded in custody in Orange County until March fourth, ten days after being released. Uh, he abducted and killed an 18-year-old in Van Nuys. Oh, my God. There's so much. Later <laughs> there's so much. He killed so many people. Um, so, uh, by, so there was surveillance going on. By early 1980, uh, the murders committed by the freeway killer were receiving considerable media attention and a reward totaling $50,000 for information uh, leading to an arrest. <clears throat> Um, the it's my fucking car alarm going off. Do you mind holding for just a second? Yeah, sure. Sorry. So the uh, reward totaling fifty thousand dollars for information. 
Uh, now, he had been offered actually by the leading gay rights activists at the time um, because all these, you know, all these victims were young men, uh, young gay men. So Bond and Avidly, he also collected newspaper clippings uh, from reports so he could track his own manhunt like any narcissistic guy would. Hmm. <clears throat> so having... So, of course, the task force was uh, dedicated to the apprehension of the suspect. Um, one of the officers on this task force later recalled um, the average rate of once every two weeks in the spring of 1980 uh, that these killings were happening. So, they, oh. I mean, because he did all of these killings within a year. So, you know, they got to right. break it up. They got to break it up, you know, somehow so they can see how it's going. Um So uh, police investigation into Bonin's background revealed his extensive history of convictions for sexual assault uh, of teenage boys and assigned a surveillance team to monitor his movements. Um, the surveillance began on June of 1980. On June 2nd, the same day as the police started surveillance, uh, Bonin accompanied a person named James Murno, um, and they had counted an 18-year-old print shop worker named Stephen Ray Wells or sorry, Stephen J. Wells, uh, standing at a bus stop. Um, they enticed him to hop into the van and come with them. And upon learning about Mr. Wells's bisexuality, they both uh, persuaded the youth to accompany him to an apartment where he would be promised $200 if he allowed him to uh, be bound prior to engaging in sex. I'm down. So at Bonnet's apartment... <laughs> Uh, Wells was bound, raped, beaten about the face and torso by both men, then informed that he was going to be murdered. Uh, before he was strangled to death with his own T-shirt, then um, Bonin placed uh, Wells' body inside of a cardboard box, which he and Murno then carried to his van. The pair drove to a residence uh, of one of his former associates, Mr. Butts. Um... <laughs> What? And what? His name was Yeah, Butts. his his accomplice. His accomplice's last name is Butts. Oh. <laughs> I've been saying it for a little while now. Oh. oh okay. Anyway. My um, microphone fell off the stand. My microphone literally disconnected from my nightstand and fell off. And then I had to fix it. And I had to, like, it disconnected. I had to replace the screw. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so they drove to Mr. Butts's residence. And then Bonham... Bonin actually invited him to check out the body. He said, we got it in the van. It's a good one. Come out and see it. According okay. to Murno, the other guy who helped him just kill him. Uh, upon viewing the body, Butts replied, oh, you got another one. Before Bonin asked for advice on how to dispose of it, at Bonin's subsequent trial, Murno recalled Butts' response, try a gas station, like, or where, I don't know which. He dumped the last one. So just like in a parking lot somewhere. Um, Murno, the guy who basically turned on um, Bonin, so that way he'd probably get a you know, lesser uh, charge. You know. Isn't it Bonin? 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 I don't know. There's no B, -O -N -N. B in there. Chill out. 
Bonin. Bonin. The bonin. No, it's not bonin. You want it to be bonin. He's bonin. <clears throat> I have problems. So they, he had testified against Butts that he actively um, told Bonin, bonin. bonin from discarding the youth, any, any victim's body in the nearby canyons due to the late hour because people would see your car. Um, state versus bonin butts. Bonin butts. Like just hearing the names and you're freaking out now. <laughs> state versus bonin butts. You don't find that nothing. No. It is funny, but it's bonin. You're like that was 30 minutes ago, Jen. <laughs> God damn it, gotcha. Like there was no response earlier, so I was like, okay, I guess they don't care. Um, so Mr. Butts had told Bonin not to take any more bodies to the canyon. Yeah. But then, of course, that's exactly where he went. And uh, he dumped the body there. Uh, um, after nine days of surveillance, on June 11, 1980, uh, the police had observed Bone and Driven in a random manner uh, throughout Hollywood, unsuccessfully attempting to lure five separate teenage boys into his van. Oh, God. Five? Um, Come on, bitches. Oh, yep, they all said no. So before succeeding in luring one youth into his van, uh, then the police followed him uh, until his fa- uh, until he parked in a empty parking lot close to the Hollywood freeway. Then discreetly approached the vehicle. Upon hearing muffled screams and banging inside, uh, the plainclothes officers forced their way into the vehicle. Discovered Bonin in the act of Bonin, the 17-year-old Orange County runaway named Harold Eugene Tate, uh, whom was hun- handcuffed and bound, of course. Yeah, that's, um, that's fucked up. Initially charged with the rape of a minor, he was held on the suspicion of murder of Miranda, one of his uh, the previous victims. Um, mm. The following day, uh, Murno, his old accomplice, stole Bonin's car uh, and fled to his native state of Michigan. So, uh, inside the van, investigators discovered numerous artifacts um, attesting to his culpability in being the freeway killer. You know, there's two freeway killers, right? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Who's the other like one? Keith Sutherland. Nope. I have it in my. I have a serial killer drawing book. Thank you, Misty. And there's two of them. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So inside his van, obviously they found lengths of cord, um, assortment of knives, tire irons, household pliers, hangers, all kinds of stuff for his sick, sick shit he was doing. You know what's crazy though, Rick? What? Is that I looked at pictures because I was writing up our our show notes, but I was Mm -hmm. looking at pictures of him. He looks like a relatively normal dude, right? Without his mustache, yes. I mean, that would be a dude that I would probably have dated, which is scary. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Please pity me. Yes, thank you. Make it about me. I, I like your mustache. No, not the mustache. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like without his mustache, he looks like a normal guy and a guy. Guy and a guy. I mean, Shannon, um, did you see what he looks like? This. Yeah. He's not bad looking. He's better than uh, our, our friend. I wash myself with a rag on a stick. I don't. I don't do off. mustaches. Period. No, okay, take the mustache off. Take, we already. Hang, hang on, hang on. I got it. Okay, I get it. Oh wait, Ricky, you're. Oh, okay. Me. 
Took off like 30 years just doing that, taking mm-hmm. the mustache off. Okay. Continue, Ricky. Take I'm that sorry. Porn stash right. off. Yeah, it's pretty much what it was. Um, so, uh, also in his van, um, tons and tons of DNA evidence, which, of course, in the early 80s they were collecting, but then later on would be able to tie him to, you know, a lot of the murders that happened on the freeway. Yeah. Um, so, confessions and indictments um he confessed to abducting raping and killing at least 21 young men like i'd said earlier and he expressed absolutely no remorse for his actions which is pretty i mean he did it in the span of a year i'm pretty sure later on in his life he's probably like maybe i'm sorry but no (laughs) because he's dead anyway um he dead oh yeah he was on death row for 14 years of course in san quentin of course um, and then he was executed by lethal injection um, inside what? a gas chamber, which is kind of. How, do you, how was he executed and right? not all about people? Mm-hmm. I guess he was. I don't know. On the Didn't maybe for the, the top of the list. It had to have been this. The, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I didn't so get were into they that. all in San Quentin at the same time? It's possible. What year is this, Rick? Nineteen eighty. Um, oh, sorry. Well, he was he was in prison for 14 years, Stop. and in 1996 is when he died. Still, he's on death row in San Quentin okay. until 96. Mm-hmm. Mine yeah. was on death row in 80. Uh, shit. Mine was in 89. Yeah, mine was 2013. So his execution, his execution, his uh, execution occurred shit. 14 years after the first death sentence had been imposed in California. Did he not try to do any appeals? Nope. Um, nope. Ours did. I mean, he I con- mind it. Well, here's the thing. He confessed to 21 murders. Yeah. You know, I mean, whether yeah. they, you know, whether they, um, you know, he wanted to appeal or not, I mean, that says a lot. And whether they were able to tie him to every single one of them, he still is connected to more than half of them. So Wasn't he in there with uh, Charles Manson, too? Okay. So here's your answer. He filed numerous appeals, um, citing issues such as jury prejudice um jury uh, you know basically his gayness or what possibly but the thing was he was targeting gays you know um he also tried to uh put emphasis on his bipolar disorder and the sexual abuse he'd endured as a child um they always his lawyers always intended on the emphasis that uh he would have been humanized or the tried to humanize him in the eyes of the jury because of how he was abused as a child um, but unfortunately, no jury ever really listened. So, Jesus Christ, it doesn't make any sense to me. So he had claimed to have made peace with the fact that he was about to die, but no yeah, real remorse. My guy was so, on Dan Quentin's death row. Uh, let me see in the 80s as well so they were all on death row at one time all together he got it first that's really yeah. strange well he's wow. that was pretty cool he was born in 47 right so hang on he yes it all happened yeah. earlier mm-hmm. and they were for I mean, the death penalty so yeah hey so so did you guys see that thing i put on on uh, on our page on true crime uh, the, the last um, thing they ate. Yes. So Bonin yeah. actually ordered two large pizzas, three pints of ice cream, and three six packs of Coke. He's <laughs> such a girl. 
I know, right? Jesus what Christ. What was it? What, tell me again. I want a pizza and ice cream party. Yeah. <laughs> he right. had pizza, Cokes, and ice cream. Oh, my God. Little bitch. Yeah. Still a little stupid ass bitch. Yes, I am so, fucking with you. So he was dead. Dead? He is Let's dead? See. I'm just surprised because, like, my guy is still alive. Mine mm-hmm. is not. Yours is not. But mine is still alive. Oh, yeah. Here you go. The other freeway killers, Patrick Kearney. And, yeah, there you go. and Randy Craft. Yeah. That's so, crazy. One of them is the I-5 killer, I think. Wow. So collectively, Bon and Craft and Kearney Santa have Anna claimed freeway. up to 131 victims total. Listen, we give Seattle a bad rap, but look at what California, look what's happening in California. Now they're all birthed and Well, they're the what, second largest state. I mean, there's just so much space out there. And, no, in the, and, in the and late, they're so lenient about their... And the, yeah, they're lenient yeah. on their stuff. And back in those days, you know, the late 70s to early 80s, everybody was flocking to California for the California dream. So, Including you know, my mother. Including people we probably know. So, you know... Yeah. So that's just how it was, you know. Um, crazy times. Jesus, my mom's all running around in California while all this shit's going on. Mm-hmm. Damn, bro. Mm-mm. Bro, butts and boning. Bone and butts. <laughs> People versus bone and butts. <laughs> I'm with it. I can get behind that. Yeah. Can so you that get was behind our... that? Yeah. Those were our serial killers, <laughs> bone and butts, and guys. I hope you like our serial killers on tap. But we all got to go to bed. I swear to God. Bedtime. I know, right? It's still daytime there where you're at. <laughs> I know it's nine thirty where I'm at. Like it's, I have to go to it's bed. Literally, there's light. There's light coming out of your window. Nine thirty. It is eleven thirty here. Oh, it is. Oh, my my computer says ten twenty two. I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> No. Yeah. Shit. All right. Well, so right. it's time to say bye bye. Probably. Okay, so, guys, hey, so guys. Next oh. week, we are covering what next week? Not maritime crime. Nope, not maritime. <laughs> but we are going to We're going to do, we're going to pick something, maybe serial killers, maybe just some random murders. Who knows? We're going to come up with our own shit. And uh, we'll be recording next Sunday and they'll be out sometime next week. Sorry for the hiatus, but you know. Ricky had his period. We can't keep up with his period. So got heavy flow. Wait, so when you say next Sunday, do you mean the Sunday coming up or the Sunday following? The Sunday coming up. Okay, so next Sunday would be the following Sunday. So this coming up Sunday is when we're recording. Sunday. It's called like July fifth. Is when. But it's not next Sunday. It's July fifth. The next Sunday. But guys, uh, also make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Bo- Bo- Breaker and CastBox. And Stitcher. I always, want, I always want to say Breaker Box. And where'd you guys get your resources? Because I already said mine. Wikipedia. Um, good, old, good old Wikipedia. Good old my Wikipedia. Bitch. Right on, guys. All right. We love you all. Thank you for listening. Um, and I do have one thing I want to say. Tristan, my friend Tristan said, if you ever want to get a hold or get rid of a Jehovah's Witness, do you guys want to know this? Because apparently we talked to this, talked about this in one of our episodes. Uh-huh. She goes. Burn sage. No, she goes. Hold on. Hold on, guys. I'm so sorry. We had a flow and I'm so sorry. 
my favorite timeline. Da, 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 da. Hold on. I got it, guys. Number one way to get rid of Jehovah's Witnesses is to just say, thanks anyway, I used to be one, and they'll leave you alone, or tell them you got disfellowshipped. This means they banned you from their practice. <laughs> yeah. She goes, <laughs> she said basically that she does it all the time. So <laughs> I got disfellowshipped. Disfellowshipped. You gotta got to say it right, otherwise yeah. you know you're Fellowshipped. Disfellowshipped. Jesus yeah. Christ. So thank you. I'm sorry. It was, I've had like four glasses of wine. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, we'll catch you on the next one. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye. 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 Bye.